I think we all get that look, don't we? <laughs> yeah. Uh, me more than most, but she's incredibly tolerant, and uh, she was able to let me take in a beast Lions game on her nice long vacation here, so I have nothing but good things to say about my life today. Grab some poutine and a double-double. It's time for the Two and Out CFL Podcast. Every week, John, John Fraser. Fraser. To me, if this isn't rock bottom for the Bombers, I don't know what is. And Travis Curra. Who would win between the world's fastest cow, the CFL Rabbit, or Brandon Banks? We'll deliver news and fantasy analysis from the Canadian Football League. And nonsense. Bad pizza's better than good salad, right? It's true. <laughs> it, it, it really is. Just like bad wings are, are better than most anything in the world. Can't forget the nonsense. Ready, set, hook! Welcome to episode 49 of the Two and Out CFL podcast. Uh, I'm Travis Curra. I am back from holidays. John Fraser is not. Uh, so I would like to thank Joe Pritchard for joining me on the show and Joe for showing way more uh, dedication to a show that you are not the co founder of. And you're actually in the, what, the Pacific Northwest. And you're in the middle of nowhere in an Airbnb right now, and you're still joining the show. Yes, yes. Uh, so John Frazier has no excuse to not be here. I think we should still call him Frazier. He hates that. He he he's Fraser, but since he keeps skipping out shows, uh, we're gonna call him Frazier. You're in literally the rainforest where it's apparently not raining right now. <laughs> but I, I think the real reason John is gone is that. Uh, He's got to be on stress leave. The uh, Two and Out CFL Podcast Fantasy League had a giant battle while I was gone. Oh boy! So, so here's the deal: <laughs> you've been you've been playing fantasy sports, I assume, for a little while. Yeah. And there was a, a trade that went down. And here's here. Tell me what you think of this trade. The the guy that made the trade really needs a running back. He traded Ernest Jackson straight up for Tyrell Sutton. So, so I do feel like he got a little bit fleeced, but I'm a, I'm a believer that you're allowed to build your team however you want. As long as you're not cheating and you're doing collusion, I'm okay with the trade. Sutton, it remains to be seen if he will get his rollback from Brandon Rutley or not, but... John, acting like the commissioner while I was gone, was going to kibosh the trade, <laughs> and then uh, ended up being a about a six-hour battle in the direct messages on Twitter. Oh, I'm sure that was fun to get to check back on after you spent a day on holiday. <laughs> so I'm on holidays, and I ended up finding Wi-Fi, and I'm like, shut up! Like... <laughs> Come on! So I ended up pushing the trade through, and everything is good right now. But uh, Rome wasn't built in a day, but John Fraser almost destroyed two and out in a day. Oh, man, man. Maybe <laughs> maybe it's good he's not <laughs> <laughs> Let's just say that you have an awesome wife for allowing you to join this podcast while you are on holidays. Oh, don't I know it. What's her name? Uh, my wife's name is Stephanie. Is it your uh, uh, Is it your anniversary right now? Yes, it was. Which is probably why I'm okay today. Oh, I was like, how are you allowed to do this? 
<laughs> well, she went to a CFL game with you in Vancouver, so we're going to have to talk about that very soon. First, we'll get to getting waxed with Brazilian Tie. Hey, it's Brazilian Tie back again for another edition of Getting Waxed here on the Two and Out CFL podcast. After taking a weekend off from football to spend at the lake and celebrate turning 28 by t- trying to drink just as many beers, I figured it was time to get the band back together and complete another recording. And then I got told that Fraser isn't even on the show this week. What did he do? Marry Yoko Ono? But I digress. I had a hard time picking just one game this week, considering the closest margin of victory in the four games was 23, and of course the Riders hit a new low against the Tiger Cats for the upteenth time this year and got embarrassed by 46. That being said, I think I'll take this time to rip on the league just a little bit. Remember Week 2, the 28-13 win by the Red Blacks over the Alouettes at Percival Molson Stadium? Deron Carter made headlines across CFL news feeds with his actions in celebrating a third-quarter touchdown. In case you don't remember, after taking a hit to make a play in the end zone and completing the touchdown, he subsequently got up and made a beeline for the Red Blacks bench and bumped into head coach Rick Campbell. Now don't get me wrong, Campbell took one hell of a dive after the exchange and probably shouldn't have been in that part of the field at that moment in time, but that's not the problem I have. Nor do I have a problem with what Carter did. I did at the time, but now I could care less. I'm more worried about the league making a decision on the matter. I'm all for players having the right to appeal. Rightly or wrongly, it's written into their CBA and it protects them from wrongful punishments. Not saying that the one-game suspension Carter was given was wrongful, not in the least, but I fully respect his right to appeal it. But let's do some simple math. The incident took place on June 30th. The league announced the suspension on the 4th. The Alouettes had a bye in the next week and played a game against the Tiger Cats on the 15th, which was the one he was scheduled to miss. Carter, of course, appealed, and we've been in a stalemate ever since. Here we are, 54 days later, not a word from the league on the outcome of the hearing. The Owls had a bye week three. They didn't play for 14 days. Are you telling me that the league office was too busy to deal with this incident and get a decision done so all parties involved can put it behind them and get on with their season without any questions? Montreal is in the thick of a playoff race right now in the East Division, and losing Carter at this point for an incident over seven weeks ago seems ridiculous to me. They could have dealt with this in the two weeks before the next game. Players are employee, and the league seems to have forgotten this in that instance. Carter probably went home on his week off, as most players do on a bye, but come on. If you have an appeal and a hearing to go through, that needs to be dealt with in a timely fashion, regardless of the league's or personal schedules of the players involved. Sir Deal has made the league look like fools, and I, for one, am not the least bit surprised. The ineptest this year has been through the roof and I'm sick of it. I fully expected Deron Carter to play the rest of this year in service suspension in week 20 and probably end up costing his team a playoff spot because, you know, why wouldn't it work out like that? Talk about conspiracy theories. Anyways, now that's off my chest, I feel much more relieved. You can find me on Twitter, at Brazilian underscore Ty, if you want to stop in and say hi or just feel the need to make fun of me for no particular reason. Don't worry, John and Travis do it all the time. And hey Joe, if you take the cheese out of your ears, it'll be easier to hear us when you record. Anyways, back to Travis and Joe and the Two and Out CFL podcast. In the huddle with Fraser and Kura on the Two and Out podcast. All right, news is brought to you by Bomb Energy Drink. And, of course, every week we do the Bomb of the Week. Make sure you follow Bomb Energy on Twitter at The Bomb Nation. You can buy their product online. I got a case of it here. I've been sharing it with my coworkers. They absolutely love it. I have to say that the news story of the week has to be that it looks like Henry Burris has lost his starting job in Ottawa. And that kind of makes him a ticking time bomb, don't you think? Well, (laughs) this is funny because he goes off saying he's turned around four franchises, you know, all this stuff, and he ends up losing his starter's job. So did he really turn around the Ottawa Red Blacks? 
Well, it's hard to turn a team around when you get the keys to begin with. I mean, what you got you got to be going in one direction to begin with, right? <laughs> well, I guess if they win the Grey Cup with Trevor Harris, Burris was on the team, so he helped turn them around, right? That's true. I mean, he didn't say which direction he was turning them around, right? <laughs> yeah, if you can join a team and then, like, throttle them into the ground, you turn them around. You just didn't go in the right direction. That's going to happen on a Thursday. Uh, the, the Red Blacks playing the Lions, who are coming off a very tough loss against Calgary. It'll be interesting to see what happens in that game. Now, this week, it almost seemed like the unsung heroes were really getting their due in uh, the CFL. Calvin McCarty has his best game in probably eight years on uh, for the Eskimos, but there was a new record set. Uh, Jason Araki for the BC Lions ends up setting the record for the most special teams tackles of all time, a game that you were at. Did uh, anybody really notice in BC Place? Uh, yes, uh, they actually made a big deal out of it. Wow. Uh, it was the first. It was the opening kickoff. If I remember correctly, he makes the tackle. I hear the announcement that he makes the tackle, and I'm thinking, "Oh, he must have just set the record, right?" Well, as soon as I'm done with that thought, they post it on the board. They make the announcement, and everybody gives them a pretty good sized round of applause for that one. That is cool to see the special teams guys getting attention. I really love that. Yeah, they they definitely get, got the attention. It was probably about the last thing BC Lions fans had to cheer about that game. You know, that, that was the first and the last thing. There was no happy moments after that. <laughs> so, as a neutral observer, did you enjoy the game nonetheless in Vancouver? Oh, it, it was definitely a, a check mark off my list of places to go for one thing. Uh, I did enjoy. I am, unfortunately, for the Ask Empire podcast. I'm sure they will dock the Empire points every time I say this publicly, but I am a big fan of Bo Levi Mitchell, and it was fun to see him uh, in his element just taking care of the BC defense. That was fun to watch. Uh, I was hoping to see a little bit more out of BC, but uh, they're just not quite there yet, it seems. They're close. They're not quite Calgary yet. Well, judging by the first uh, two meetings of the season, I had expected that it was going to be another awesome game, that it was going to be a close game, but it just, <laughs> I, I guess, wasn't to be in uh, this one. I, I don't know what happened to the Lions. I don't know if they got a little bit uh, uh, overconfident, or maybe it was, you know, uh, the, the, the Stampeders getting prepared because they, the coaching staff and the depth there is, Absolutely incredible! Every single year, they they're able. You're never going to beat them twice in a row. It seems and <laughs> they they are going to be the best prepared team in the entire league. So you have to be ready when Calgary is coming to town. Now, other news is pretty light. The Riders ended up uh, acquiring some uh, pieces in the uh, secondary. Uh, Fred Bennett and Jeff Hecht. Uh, are going to be heading to Saskatchewan. So that will be good for them. But the conspiracy theories are out in full force in Saskatchewan. Have you heard about the latest conspiracy theory, uh, Joe? I want to hear what's actually out there because I haven't been able to look much attention. Okay, so the newest conspiracy theory happened on the postgame show last week. And what it was is this guy from Calgary calls in. 
And he basically says that he has it on good authority that the Eskimos, the Stampeders, and Jeffrey Orridge ended up teaming up to basically out the riders with their cheating and that the commissioner allowed the Stamps and the Eskimos to get their rosters in order before uh, going after the riders and that there's more f- <laughs> there's more fines coming against the riders. They're going to be up in the six figures and be draft or docked some draft picks. So apparently the, the league is now firmly against the riders and there is more punishment coming for the Rough Riders. So it just seems to be a little bit too cloak and dagger for me to believe that the commissioner, Calgary, and Edmonton are conspiring against the Riders, uh, all teaming up against them, letting Calgary and Edmonton get away with the same things that they're punishing Saskatchewan for. It just, I don't see why the league would be doing that. Well, and it was just three years ago that everybody thought the, the league was helping the Riders win the Grey Cup at home. I think the fact that people believe both ways right now over the last couple of years should be the biggest proof anybody could have that everything's on the up and up. Yeah, and you know what? With the riders, I thought that last year was rock bottom. I'm not convinced that we've even hit it yet. Saturday had to be rock bottom, losing 53-7. to But they had actually a couple decent performances against Calgary, like... Well, they didn't lose by, you know, 46 or whatever. So <laughs> it was a little bit better than that. But do you see this going further down the hole? Well, I could see that Chris Jones and uh, all jokes aside still seems to be thinking that this is the preseason because every week there's different players in and out of the lineup, different players on the roster and off. Uh he just doesn't seem to be settled with the talent he has right now. And I think that's going to be the way it's going to be all year. Um, at this point, with the where they are at in the standings and the way that things are going, I could just see this being all 20 weeks here at the CFL season. And uh, they try to load up again in the offseason and make another run for it. Yeah, you know what? I'm wondering if that was the plan going into the season all along, that it will... Uh, that it was going to be, you know, basically a giant preseason all along. It was, oh man, it was, it's just been bizarre. You can't tell me that the, the people they've had on defense are worse or better, sorry, than the players on defense they had last year. Well, they had a lot of veterans last year. They did. Too, that uh, their time was coming to an end of Saskatchewan one way or the other. Now they might be too young. They don't have that veteran cohesion they had before. So it's just going to take some time uh, to, for everything to come together, for Chris Jones to find the pieces he likes. And once he does find those pieces, for those pieces to work together and become the defense that everybody expects out of a Chris Jones team. couple of releases uh, that surprised me a little bit. Alouette's release, Vaughn Martin. I thought he was going to be a beast up the middle uh, for the Owls this year. I guess... It wasn't to be. Uh, the Argos release uh, another defensive tackle, Brian Bulky, And uh, I guess this Thursday, or was it last week, the uh, CFL refs are going to start hitting uh, the field down south. Uh, and they are going to uh, be helping out their refing. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how they do. Uh, because the officiating has taken a lot of flack uh, this year, I think last year was a lot harder to watch 
this year's a lot different when it comes to the coaches being able to challenge. But now that you've given the coaches that power, I don't see that going away. I I really hope it does, honestly, because uh, the coaches are using it as a tool. They're not using it to try to get the calls right. They're using it to try to find something the officials didn't see to try to gain an advantage off for their team. They're not trying to use it to fix calls against them. They're trying to find anything that negates a great play from the other team. That For that reason alone, it needs to go away. Well, and there is something on every play that can probably be considered a penalty, like whether it's a very minor face mask. or I, I feel like there's holding on every play. I think that's been said before. But <laughs> every time they challenge, it's like they find something that they weren't even challenging. It's, it's getting crazy. Yep, yep. Uh, it was a noble idea and a great experiment. I'm glad they did it. But now that they've seen what the end result is going to be, they need to kill it as soon as they can. Which I would, which I would guess would be the offseason. You don't want to be screwing with this stuff during the season. Oh, don't you think that the NFL is going to try and do it? I think if they saw the results that are happening in the CFL right now, that if they had common sense, they wouldn't. So. I really think they're going to do it next year because nothing they've done in the last five years makes any sense whatsoever to me. Just imagine Bill Belichick with that power. No, uh, no, <laughs> fast, move on. I don't even want to think about that. <laughs> yeah, let's move on. Uh, let's go to the expose and talk about the games last week. Time for the Fantasy Expose on the 2 and Out Podcast. Let's talk about the CFL Podcast Family Fantasy League. Uh, Do we have to? Okay, so (laughs) (laughs) 2 and Out started out as absolute juggernauts. I think we've lost four in a row now after winning five in a row. So we are not juggernauts anymore. You, on the other hand, well, I guess you're the riders of the league. Oh. It's not going well. It's just not going well. <laughs> One and eight on the year for the Rouge, White, and Blue uh, podcast. We're five and four after starting five and zero, oh. but it's pretty tight. First place is six and three, so we're still in it. Uh, I, I, I'd love to say the same to you, my friend. Yeah, I don't <laughs> think we're still in it at this point, but I hope with that we're up to deal with coming forward here, but that's about as best as we can hope for now. Yeah, you want to be the spoilers? Well, if that's the only thing left for us, we'll try. Not that it's helped so far. (laughs) I like that uh, attitude. Now, talking about last week's games, probably a little bit uh, painful because they were all blowouts. I don't remember a week like this where every game was teams getting... Absolutely crushed. Uh, Kevin Glenn, insane. Five touchdowns, 25 of 30, 382 yards. He He's actually looking good this year. He made some, inc- I don't know if you got to catch the game. Uh, he made some incredible throws uh, last week. And he's, as long as he gets time, I think he's up there with anybody in the league. He's, he's so underrated, I find. And he, <laughs> he's got... Is he the most underrated quarterback with over 50,000 passing yards? He has to be. 
I would think so because nobody gives him a lot of respect. Uh, just simply the fact that he's gotten that far means that uh, he's done a lot in his CFL career. Uh, people just don't tend to give him respect because the big games haven't been there for him. Uh, but, yeah, I got to see at least part of this game waiting for the BC game to start, and I, I was just, my draw was dropping. It was, I saw most of the first half, and he, Ottawa had no answers for him. Well, in Montreal, I think they were picked by just about everyone to finish last in uh, not only the East Division, but probably the CFL. It looks like that'll probably be the Riders. But uh, Montreal, has they're 3-5, and five, and I think a lot of people had them only winning three games all year. Yes, including my co-host on the Rouge, White, and Blue, who is an Alouettes fan and doesn't think uh, too highly of his team, but he's got his three already, so... I bet you anything he comes back and predicts that they'll lose the rest of their game. <laughs> <laughs> I guess if you expect the worst, that they will impress you every time. Yeah, I actually had them around six wins. I didn't think they were as bad as people were saying, but I didn't see much in the way of being much better than that. And they seem to be around closer to that track than the 3-15 and 15 track, but you never do know. I mean, they could get hot. The East is wide open right now. Oh, it absolutely is. And But as the season goes on, injuries will mount, and I think the depth will get tested. It already has, but they seem to be doing okay. Uh, they, they lost Sutton. They lost S.J. Green. They lost Kenny Stafford. But I guess when you can throw Deron Carter the ball 50 times a game that you'll be uh, okay. And Nick Lewis is almost having a career resurgence here. Yeah, the thing that worries me the most is all of the cap casualties from the beginning of the season. Even now, I think the Yvonne Martin move was more related to the cap than it was anything else because I believe they offered to give him a pay cut before they released it. Okay, yeah. We seem to be seeing a lot of that uh, this year. Of course, uh, Montreal notorious for being unable to uh, manage the cap. As for the Owls, this week, uh, it's going to be an interesting one. They're up against Winnipeg, who have been turnover machines lately. I kind of want to stay away from that game as far as fantasy goes. It'll be a fun game to watch, probably really, really close, but I might want to just avoid that one for uh, fantasy purposes. But, I mean, Deron Carter, he's getting it done. He's getting pretty much double-digit targets every game. He's the guy you want to pick. As for Ottawa, man, uh, they only put up 19 points, but Henry Burris, I thought he looked... Not bad. Uh, he was 21 of 31, 322 yards, but his receivers didn't really help him out all that much. Right, and that's really weird to me because these receivers have been top-notch for the last year and a half now. To have them just disappear like that just didn't seem right to me, but I wonder if there's chemistry issues at this point for us not seeing them for quite a while here. Maybe. And watching the game, there were a couple... A couple guys where he hit him right in the hands and they dropped it. Greg Ellingson probably has the quietest game since going to Ottawa. He had two targets, no catches, but Ernest Jackson, uh, Chris Williams, they uh, continue to do what they do, but it was just not enough, of course, uh, to get the game won. Now, every game was a blowout, so we move on to the next 
blowout, which was the game that you were at, uh, Calgary and BC. Calgary ends up winning 37-9. to And uh, the most exciting play in the game had to be that special teams <laughs> tackle from Jason Araki. But uh, Bo Levi is going to Bo Levi. Uh, he didn't throw a touchdown in week eight, but... You knew he was going to get right back on the right side of things. He does the little things so well, and they highlighted it on TSN. When they do the draw play, he will carry out that fake, and he'll fake throw it. He ended up throwing off a guy like Solomon Elamimian, so he he knows what he's doing, and they have so many weapons in Calgary. Where do they come from, Joe? They come from uh, just about everywhere because they seem to find guys that nobody else can. It's just amazing how well they're able to plug and play over the last few years. Well, Markway McDaniel is such a he's a steady player. He gets it done. Nobody really talks about him, but look at this. He has 10 catches for 80 yards. And then uh, they lose Greg Wilson. They lose Joe West. Devaris Daniels comes in and makes four catches for 66 yards. He's a guy you need to watch if he's going to stay on the roster. But no matter what, they're going to find somebody to do it. Uh, if Messam can't do it, Rob Cote will do it. He even had a touchdown in this game. So everything they did, they did absolutely right. They basically shut down uh, Chris Rainey for the Lions, and nothing happened for BC. It, it was just sad. <laughs> no, it, and I want to give credit, too, for the offensive game plan Calgary called, because I saw a few times where BC just couldn't stop a certain play. There were a lot of flat passes I saw there was, from, yeah. my, from my spot in the end zone, where the guy would catch the flat pass and have 10 yards to just run without a defender being near him. Uh, so Calgary must have saw something that BC was doing defensively and just killed them in the flats all game long. They didn't do a whole lot of flashy things, not a lot of deep balls, nothing like that. Uh, but when they did, they made them count, and they killed BC underneath the whole game, and BC just could not adjust. Yeah, and Calgary's never really flashy, ever. They they just they just get it done because at the end of the day, what counts is wins, and uh, that's... What they do, the longest pass play was 34 yards. That's <laughs> that's not uh, all that crazy uh, to, to say, but that's, that's what they do all, all the time. It's just Calgary being Calgary. I expect that BC will come out pretty mad this week. Uh, you have to assume uh, that is going to happen. But uh, Brian Burnham, he had a 42-yard catch. And uh, that's probably about it uh, for the BC Lions. The Stampeders, are they the best? Who would you say is the best defense in the league? I would probably have to say Calgary. Uh, who who haven't they been able to at least slow down? Their one loss was a game that was, what, 20-18, to 18, I think? Yeah, they lost. Uh, you're right. They lost to the Lions in week one, and they were the first team that was able to shut down Chris Williams. Uh, they they tied them, but other than that, <laughs> they're just getting it done. Yeah, they're unblemished and, uh, uh, really since since week one. I mean, <laughs> besides the tie, they haven't seen a loss. They lost the one loss was by a couple points. Uh, they are uh, they're they're definitely on a roll. I don't see another team in this league that could stand up to them. So 
I think uh, Calgary is going to go a long way this year. I think that uh, this Sunday's game against Hamilton is going to be uh, a fun one for the Stampeders. Uh, another blowout. <laughs> the Eskimos beat the Argos. Man, the Argos are... They're very generous with their tur- turnovers, let's say. That they have been. Uh, I actually picked them this past week thinking that they wouldn't have such a turnover-filled game. And, well, that's what I get for for guessing they'll turn things around. Yeah, Kevin Elliott makes his return. He, he doesn't do anything. Hazleton returns as well. He doesn't make a, a single catch. Uh, Deontay Spencer seems to be the guy, at least for Logan Kilgore anyway. He had six catches for 37 yards. Ricky Ray is supposed to be back uh, this upcoming week, so we'll see what they can do. But the Argos, what did they end up having? Uh, 90 passing yards. <laughs> So if we really look at it, the beginning of the year, the Eskimo defense was horrible. But this week, they give up 23 points. Last week, they give up 12 points. The week before, they only give up 23 to Ottawa. And the week before that, they give up 20 to Winnipeg. Looks like Benavides has put these guys together, I'd say, Joe. Uh, I think they're going to they're quietly um, and so quiet that I didn't notice uh, quietly putting together a team that can make a playoff run here. Uh, Toronto obviously uh, came back with the same result they had the week before against Winnipeg. Edmonton and Winnipeg were fighting tooth and nail here these past couple weeks. Here before that, uh, I could definitely see Edmonton and Winnipeg having a classic uh, West semifinal game if. These standings continue to hold this way, or no, they wouldn't. They wouldn't. No, so, <laughs> that's what I get. That's vacation brain for you. Uh, but Edmonton, whoever they play in the West semifinal, will probably wish they weren't playing them. How about that? Yeah, I, I, I agree. Uh, Mike Riley continues to be Mike Riley. He throws for uh, 362 yards. Uh, John White, uh, seven carries for 55 yards. But I think the real star in the game is Calvin McCarty. Uh, he has five catches. He has 11 carries. He ends up, uh, oh, he had 99 total yards. Uh, he had the touchdown as well. If you had him anywhere, you really uh, paid off by having Calvin McCarty. But uh, the Argos, they were able to limit Darrell Walker, but uh, Darius Bowman has uh, 86 yards receiving in a touchdown in the game. Walker had a touchdown as well. Both of these guys are on pace for 2,000 yards. I don't know if you got to watch any of the game, but Dwayne Ford, it was interesting. He basically said, if these guys set the record uh, for receiving, you have to put an asterisk next to their name because of the new rules. Is Do you think that's fair to say? I don't. Uh, because if, if you're going to get an interference call to go your way, those are not yards that are added to the uh, receiving total. Sure, the defenders are going to play a little bit more soft to make sure that they are complying with the rules. But I don't think you could say it's just a rule thing. I think these guys are good enough that those numbers will stand up to any historical scrutiny. Yeah, you know what? I, I think that uh, a guy like Darrell Walker and uh, Darius Bowman, they could probably play in any era and be 
you know, amazing players. I thought it was interesting that Dwayne said that, but he he's an old school guy, you know. He, he's he's a he's a fullback. He likes that smash mouth football, so maybe he doesn't like these new rules, and he gets a little bit of miffed about uh, you know the receivers getting touched and uh, the rules coming out. I just think it's the way the game of football is going. Even South uh, in the NFL, they're passing the ball more and more all the time, and you want. That offense, because offense sells tickets, really. I mean, uh, the 85 Chicago Bears, they're really popular because of their defense. But, I mean, the Ravens and stuff, nobody likes to watch that football, do they? I mean, you're a uh, a Packers fan. They sell tickets, and they get a lot of attention probably because of Aaron Rodgers and that offense. Right, it, having a having a defense is going to help you win games, but it's yeah. not going to make people sit there and enjoy the game uh, unless you're doing something that no defense has done before, like what the Bears were doing in the '80s right. and what the Ravens were doing in the early 2000s, where you were setting league records, uh, you were confusing teams with a new scheme. Once that becomes old hat, nobody wants to see that anymore. Yeah, I mean, uh, wasn't Lawrence Taylor the first guy that like really started rushing the quarterback as a linebacker? I mean, that was so game-changing back then. And now you look at it and you're like, uh, linebackers didn't blitz? <laughs> like, how is that exactly. not a thing? <laughs> exactly. Now, I mean, if you took a look at those games now, you'd just be going, oh, is that all they're doing? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I kind of look at it like the uh, game of hockey. There's been so much changes that they, they wanted to go away with the clutch and grab era. The 90s, you watch that hockey. Oh, man, these guys are basically tugging them with their sticks and they're skating them around, and it's, it's crazy to watch. So I, I just think it's the game changing a little bit, and you know what? It's been fun to watch for the most part. I think if they can limit the, the flags the flags that don't affect the play at all and uh, the coach's challenges, I think we'll have the perfect game of uh, football. But uh, the Eskimos crushed the Argos 46-23. The guys you want from the Eskimos, Mike Riley, Darrell Walker, and uh, Darius Bowman, obviously. And if you happen to have all three, I want to play in your Yeah, you want to be that guy. <laughs> now... The final game of the week, this has to be, I think we talked about it a little bit earlier, rock bottom for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, 53-7, to the final score. Zach Caleros ended up returning last week. He did have a great game against BC, but in this one, he's in there for, what, 11 drives, and five of them end in touchdowns. The Riders didn't do anything. Darian Durant ends up throwing four interceptions. To me, it looked like he was trying to make everything happen. He was just trying to force the ball, and he was trying to put the team on his shoulders, and it just wasn't happening. Uh, It has to be all uphill from here for the Riders, right? Uh, You would think so. Uh, But the funny thing about things being so bad is it's never so bad it can't get any worse, right? Well, that's what I thought. <laughs> uh, this would be probably about as close to a worse performance possible, but hey, they scored points, right? Yeah, they didn't get shut out. 
they, they got shut out, was it last year or a couple of years ago, uh, against Edmonton, but... <laughs> It'll be it'll be uh, tough to top this performance uh, as far as bad ones go. Uh, Brandon Banks is the guy, uh, of course. Uh, he has a touchdown on the receiving end of things, so uh, that is awesome. He didn't really get much going in the kick return. So if there is a positive for the Riders, it has to be special teams. They ended up uh, limiting the Ticats to 39 return yards, Usually Banks can do twice that in one return. So, <laughs> hey, there's a positive in Rider Nation. Yep, see, it could definitely still get worse, right? <laughs> yeah, they could have uh, <laughs> They could have uh, given up uh, 300 return yards. So, you know what? They did okay when it comes to that. Uh, Zach Caleros, the one thing about him is that it's tough to uh, predict what receiver he's going to go with because he goes with everyone. So... <laughs> I mean, Terrence Tolliver had five catches for 139. He's really coming on this year. Fantuz has four catches. Banks has three. Owens has four. Tasker has five. Gable has four. Uh, the Tiger Cats, I had them as Grey Cup champions uh, at the beginning of the year. They look like Grey Cup champions right now. Yeah, I mean, if anybody's going to slow Calgary's roll down, it's going to be Hamilton. If they can't do it, watch out. Joe, have you been playing uh, DraftKings at all this uh, year? You know, I actually haven't. Uh, it's been something I've been paying attention to, though, because it's sparked a massive, a massive, well, at least from what I can see, amount of interest in the States. Uh, a lot of players that have never seen the CFL before will do it just simply because it's gambling on football before the NFL starts. So this has been uh, definitely a year for the CFL to make an impression because of that. It'll be interesting to see if a lot stick with uh, CFL once the NFL starts, and because I, I know a lot of them are already doing fantasy preseason, which I <laughs> I can't imagine betting on preseason. Uh, I'm not degenerate enough to be doing that. No. <laughs> like I'm a degenerate, but when it comes to preseason, I guess that my mom could be proud of me for not gambling on a. Uh, preseason football. <laughs> but, yeah, I have standards, thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> so for this week, uh, I think just pick the entire Edmonton Eskimos. That's what I'm going to say. Uh, I, I come up with the weekly article on the grueling truth. Uh, I'm just going to pick all of the Edmonton Eskimos <laughs> against the Riders. That's probably not the worst idea I've ever heard. <laughs> That's like... Betting, uh, you know, that's not even betting it all on black. It's like betting that the sky, that the sun will come up tomorrow. Well, here's the other thing, too, though, especially in your position, is if you're a Ryder fan and you're picking all the Eskimos to have a great game, if they don't, you're probably happy with your team's performance. If they do, you might win some money. So that might be the best way to play this one. And you know what? That's a great theory I've heard in Pick'em. Always pick against your team because if they win, awesome. <laughs> if they don't, awesome. <laughs> I actually used that theory two weeks ago, breaking a tie between Winnipeg and Toronto in my mind. I couldn't figure out who I wanted to go with, so I picked Toronto because I figured if they won, at least they get a point and pick them. If they didn't win, 
I'd be so happy anyway. It wouldn't bother me one bit. Awesome. <laughs> Let's roll right into uh, the picks for this week. It's everyone's favorite game show. Are you smarter than two overweight Canadian podcasters? Pick the weekly winners in the CFL on Facebook or Twitter at Two and Out CFL. Thursday night football. It is the Lions and the Red Blacks. This one to me is very uh, interesting. Who are you rolling with here? I've got the Lions in this one. Uh, I just think the Red Blacks are on too much of a downswing here. I know Trevor Harris to be back as the quarterback. Uh, might take him a little bit of time to get rolling, not that it did earlier this season. I think the Lions will be feeling a little bit of a sting after last week, too, and come back with one of their better performances. I just feel too confident in the Lions to pick the Red Blacks. You know what? I want to go BC as well. I don't think it's a good thing when you keep flip-flopping quarterbacks. I I just I know there are some fans that, I don't know if you listened to the show a few weeks ago, but they had basically said, uh, Mike Riley needs to sit on the sidelines for a few series. I, I don't think that does your team any good, and I don't think switching your quarterback every second week does any good. Now, I know they were forced to earlier because Burris got hurt, and then Harris got hurt, but now they've made a choice. And my question is, if Harris struggles in this game and another game, do they go back to Burris? Or have we seen the last of Burris? And then you start going, and then nobody has confidence in anybody. The receivers start losing their chemistry with both quarterbacks, and it just becomes uh, a complete mess. So it's one of the reasons, having those two around, why I picked Ottawa to go 8-10 at the beginning of the season. Uh, I felt a little bit dumb about that after the first month, but now <laughs> I'm starting to see why I was kind of thinking that way to begin with. Uh, have, we'll have to see how Harris comes out with this one. I do think he's going to be a help again, and I do think, think they, we've seen the last of Burris because if they're benching him openly to start Harris now, well, Harris is going to be their future, not Burris. So I don't think you see Hank back unless Harris gives them a, a reason to put him back in. I don't think that uh, Jonathan Jennings throws for 150 yards again, so maybe maybe the Lions offense is another good uh, move uh, when it comes to uh, fantasy uh, this week, I might want to go for Manny Arsenault and see what they do because I, I I'm not a big fan of the Ottawa uh, defense as well. So I guess we got to play something from BC. What kind of music did you hear while you were in uh, uh, Vancouver? Well, I wasn't able to catch a lot of tunes myself here, but uh, I was I was not smart enough to plan ahead. Uh, I left Canada the day the day of the hip concert, so I did not stick around, unfortunately, to see that. But I'll have to, I'll have to try to find that elsewhere. But uh, you are the music expert. I'm going to let you roll with this. <laughs> okay, let me. I, I there's so many bands from uh, BC that it just makes it uh, so much fun. So. Let me just, uh, let's go with Matthew Good uh, this week. We'll play Matthew Good for the BC Lions.
All right, the next game is going to be a first half of a doubleheader. Friday night football, the Alouettes home to the Bombers. Both teams, I don't know, are they both overachieving? What's going on? Uh, the Bombers are 500. The uh, Owls are 3-5, and five, so they're not... Uh, they're doing better than we thought they would. Uh, who do you have in this one? Oh, they're both about where I thought they'd be at this point of the season. I don't see the Alouettes having as good of a game as they did last week. Uh, I think Winnipeg's defense has been underrated from the beginning of this season on. Even when they've become turnover machines, all I keep hearing is, oh, they won't be doing this every week. I think I've got the Bombers in this one. You know what? I think the Bombers' defense is good as well, and uh, they they were just on the field all the time earlier, <laughs> like nonstop. <laughs> and when you're on oh, the field all the time yep. as a as a defense, you're you're just not going to get it done. So, are you going to pick your uh, home uh, team for the first time in weeks? Yes, I am. All right. Well, let me uh, figure this out here. Montreal or Winnipeg? You know what? Uh, uh, have they won three in a row now? Uh, Winnipeg, yes, they have. That's got to end sometime. <laughs> I'm going to go with the Owls. Deron Carter ends up uh, having another heck of a game. So Montreal for me, Winnipeg for you. I guess we got to go BTO into something new from the Respectables. That's what uh, we are going to roll for the musical picks. Second half of the doubleheader, uh, Edmonton. <laughs> Edmonton and the Riders. Uh, you're not picking Saskatchewan, right? No, no. Even if even if I had a reason to pick them, I probably wouldn't anyway. Yeah, I totally uh, agree with you. <laughs> I am going to go uh, with the Eskimos. Let's just play uh, the the fight song. Sunday night football, the Stampeders home to the Tiger Cats. This is, uh, I think, the game of the week. Who do you have going here? I really want to say Hamilton because I want you to play me some Arkells, but I can't do that. I just can't. Uh, Calgary's been on such a roll. Hamilton's getting their stuff together, but I just don't see Calgary, or I don't see Hamilton holding off the Stamps for long enough in this one. Okay, we'll play some Lover Boy for you. Everybody's working for the weekend. <laughs> That's a good uh, good Calgary band. And I am going to play uh, Hamilton. I'm going to play some Arkells here. I, I'm a big believer of Zach Caleros. I think he's just getting warmed up. 
I think we're in for a shootout in Calgary. I am going for the Tiger Cats. Now, they're from Ontario. Does that mean I should play some Tragically Hip since the Hip had their Kingston show last week? I think you have to just because. Yeah. Yeah, we should end the end the show with some Tragically Hip. Uh, I guess over 11 million Canadians ended up watching that show. You just got into the hip, uh, I guess, oh, uh, two or three months ago. Are you still uh, digging them? I uh, still am. Uh, honestly, most of the earworms I've had in the past couple weeks, which is weird because I haven't been listening to them very hardcore. I usually listen to them on Saturday or Sunday mornings when I'm writing articles. But most of the earworms I've had in the past couple weeks have been the hips, so I definitely have them on my mind. So uh, still digging the Fully Completely album, working on Road Apples, trying to get that one into the old memory bank here, and i still got to listen to the brand-new one that came out this year, too. So I've got plenty of work to do on that front. I kind of wish that the CFL would expand to the States again so I could play the new Metallica. <laughs> that song makes me so happy. I was on uh, holidays last week, and my buddy texted me, what do you think about the new Metallica? And uh, <laughs> I'm like, what? There's new Metallica? So I'm like driving around in the Rocky Mountains trying to find Wi-Fi. And I found it. I listened to it. And my wife looked at me like I was nuts. She's like, how does this song make you so happy? Because it's Metallica, man. And if I played it, I'd have to play some Angry Elk as well. So maybe I should play the <laughs> new Metallica anyway. <laughs> I know the exact look you are talking about. Uh, trust me, I've earned that look quite a few times in my life. <laughs> I think we all get that look, don't we? <laughs> yes. Uh, me more than most, but she's incredibly tolerant, and uh, she was able to let me take in a BC Lions game on our nice long vacation here, so I have nothing but good things to say about my life today. All right, Joe. Well, thanks for joining us from the rainforest in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, where can we find more of you? Well, uh, these days, Rouge, White, and Blue is over at the Grueling Truth. Uh, we have some amazing stuff going on over there. Uh, lots of former players, uh, both NFL and CFL, have been interviewed. Uh, there's a weekly pick'em show that comes out right around when Rouge, White, and Blue does that includes Dieter Brock and Robert Drummond. Uh, wow. I was able to fill in on that show last week. Uh, so, uh, Thankfully, it sounds like a lot of the things I said made sense to those guys, so that's definitely a high bar for, me, for myself here. Uh, but, yeah, there's a lot more to come, a lot more articles coming out about the CFL. Uh, and it sounds like uh, if you're an NFL fan, there's going to be quite a few team podcasts going on out there as well. So if you love your football, this is definitely a site, the GruelingTruth.net, to check out. Does that mean you're the first credible person we've had on this podcast? <laughs> I don't know about that. I think you've had quite a few on before me. Yeah, I guess me and Fraser don't really count, but <laughs> we've had some cool people on, but Robert Drummond or Dieter Brock, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, I, as soon as Oz told me about this, because he's been the deal maker in all this here, told me about that site wanting our show, I took a look at it and I'm like, why do they want our show? <laughs> 
But I will be I'm very happy they seem to like what we're doing here, so I guess we'll keep doing what we're doing. All right, Joe. Well, thanks for joining me from the middle of nowhere, okay? Yeah. Well, you have yourself a good week, too, and I will uh, be talking to you soon, I'm sure. That does it for episode 49 of the Two and Out CFL podcast. I can't believe it. Next week, episode 50, John Fraser will be back. I will be out of vacation brain mode, and we should be back to our mediocre old ways. <laughs> Follow on uh, Facebook and Twitter, Two and Out CFL. Have yourself a good week. We'll talk to you soon. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. I had a job before this. I had a job before this. Ultimately, it was that job that drove me into this. I worked at an aquarium. An aquarium with lots of money from the government. So it was huge! I, uh, I was, uh, Clean and scrub man, we called each other in the CNS union. I scrubbed the inside of the killer whale tank. The, and after a while, the boys in the CNS uh, clean and scrub. We just sort of made it one word the killer whale tank. The killer whale tank. Ooh. The killer whale tank. Ooh. I'm going into the. I got along with these two big beasts so well. It was like they knew me. They looked at me with their hundred-year-old eyes, and it was like they knew me. Hi. I put on my scuba gear, my mask, my regulator, and I'd fall into the tank with nary a sound. Maybe a... And then I was underwater. Sometimes I jump out right in front of the window when people are expecting a killer whale and they see a human, they get spooked. Spooked. Anyway, I do that. But I was, I was in the water this particular day, unbeknownst to me, Shamu and Bartholomew, their relationship had gone stale. I was going in there so much and I was looking so good. Shamu took a shining to me. And they're so smart, those things, you know? They got all these human emotions. Love, lust, green, hundred year old eyed jealousy. Bartholomew was livid. Unbeknownst to me, I can't hear a goddamn thing underwater. He came up, he was bumping against me a lot. The stale killer whale. Bumping up against someone so pale and frail. How was I to know the killer whale relationship's gone stale? Well, he pushes up to me a couple of times. His skin's like sandpaper, I say. I, I don't want to steal your mommy And I, I sure don't want to take the place of your daddy I only want to be your friend 
and he circled around and I thought we were all patched up and I was scrubbing and he took my he came on he, 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 he ripped my left arm off I mean, the killer whale, they're the beast of the deep. They're, I mean, they're, they're quite docile and friendly in captivity, but somewhere along the line, thousands of years of breeding just snap, and he took my left arm, man. He took my left arm, he took my fucking left arm. What, what's, what is he, Bartholomew? I spoke to him in a language he could understand as I came back. Ooh, ooh. 